Keeping up with the Joneses. Welcome to episode 206 of Keeping Up with the Joneses, where this week we're talking about the importance of forgiveness. I'm wondering why you would listen to a podcast episode on the importance of forgiveness. It's not like how to grow wealth or how to increase favor or how to grow your prophetic gift. Why would you? I mean, thank you for listening. And you're probably listening because you listen every week. But the importance of forgiveness is one of those amazing truths that maybe people might not want to listen to because it doesn't sound appealing. Yet it brings so much fruit in your life. Thoughts? Yeah, I mean... I actually think it's the best skill I ever learned because actually you can't get free from anything that you have been through if you can't actually forgive and you're going to require the ability or the skill to be able to forgive on a regular basis, like every single day, probably several times a day on little, you know, on little things and on big things. So I think it's actually super important and it's a great reminder uh, of, of why we do it. So I'm really glad you're listening to this episode for those reasons. Before we unpack forgiveness, let's catch up with our week. Okay. It's kind of weird because we're recording this episode on a Friday morning instead of our usual Sunday night. Very true. The sun is streaming in through the windows. Which is strange because normally it's pitch black outside when we, when we record. Yes. <laughs> we're recording on a Friday because we're out of town this weekend and we realize we're not going to be near a studio Sunday night. So we'll record in advance. Talk to me about this week. There was an overshadowing event. Well, I shouldn't say overshadowing. There was an event that was filled with joy this week, and it was... My birthday! We got to celebrate. It's your birthday. It's your birthday. Okay, please don't. Yeah, sorry. We're going to celebrate your birthday. Did you have a good one? I did. I had a great birthday. So fun. I got to spend time with lots of different friends, and of course, as a gifts person, I got some lovely gifts, and yeah, it was perfect. Such a great week. Including a really creepy helium-filled llama balloon. It's not creepy. It's really cute. Okay. So do you notice you... it's not there anymore? What did you do to it? I stabbed it in the throat. Did you really? I did. Alan I... Jones. I'll tell you why, though. It wasn't yours to stab. It's my balloon. It was going to deflate anyway. No, it, it wasn't. Misery. It stays up for weeks. You didn't really stab my balloon. Would it make you feel better if I said I didn't? Alan? You didn't even notice it was It gone. doesn't matter. It's my balloon. I'm just going to start <laughs> randomly stabbing your things and I'll go, it doesn't matter. You didn't even notice. <laughs> oh, you looked for it the next day and it wasn't too bad. You didn't notice the second I stabbed it. <laughs> okay. Let's talk about the importance of forgiveness, shall we? <laughs> we might need to right now. I'm not happy with you at all. What was it that you were attached about the, the balloon? It's a gift, darling. As a gift person, <laughs> you don't kill somebody else's gift. But you're a grown woman. Why it do you want a balloon? It doesn't matter. It was a cute balloon, no, and wasn't. I'm not happy with you. The balloon gave me so much trauma. I it- woke up the day after your birthday, and we wake up with our lights. Our lights come on slowly. So my first point of consciousness, I kind of open my eyes, and because the one of the lamps is behind the balloon, all I see is this giant silhouette <laughs> of a creepy thing floating over my head, and it's your stupid llama. I could have put it somewhere else. And then you every don't have time, to stab it. Well, every time I'd walk into the bedroom, I'd forget it's there, and, you know, it's floating at my head. I'm like, good, good lord. So I just stabbed it last night and dealt with it. I'm sorry. Do I'm not, not. No, not even remotely. I'm, I didn't I'm not ex- going to be sorry when I stab your presence either. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't expect you to have such a visceral reaction. 
why? I put it in the room so that it didn't get destroyed by the kids, and instead my husband killed it. I don't understand what you would have done with it. Let, let's pretend I haven't stabbed it. And let's pretend you noticed I had. I would it. let the air out of the bottom of the valve, and so then I would keep it. Slowly. I'd keep it to reinflate it at another time. You're on Enjoy. <laughs> Doesn't matter. It was still mine. Okay. You shouldn't have touched it. Okay. I think it's funny that you haven't noticed it's been dead for a couple of days. It hasn't been dead a couple of days. It was there yesterday. <laughs> you killed it last night while I was out of the house. And then I came to bed and it was virtually dark in the room. I'm not surprised. I haven't noticed. <laughs> Oh, baby, you crack me up so much. Mm-hmm. I love you, but I don't understand you at times. It's okay. You're not going to understand a few <laughs> things in the future either. Go ahead. What else did you want to talk about this week since you've obliterated one of my gifts? Okay, now I'm scared. Uh-huh. Be scared. <laughs> oh, oh, dear. Oh, dear. I don't even know where to go from there. Like, what was the rest of the week? You had your birthday. Great. We're done. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You had your birthday and then you got arrested. All right, perfect. And then he got taken away. Hey, I we ate at the, well, you didn't, but I did with us some girls, ate at the True Food Kitchen, which is now one of my new favorite restaurants what's, in Nashville. What's good about it? It is all sort of uh, super healthy-ish food, uh, like, you know, Josh and Chelsea eat there kind of healthy. Um, but I it, love Josh and Chelsea. But they're not the benchmark for good tasting food for me. Well, good. No, but they are the benchmark for good healthy food. And what I'm saying is, is it tastes great. Okay. So it's not only healthy, but it tastes great. Brilliant. Yeah. What did you eat? Um, I had the teriyaki chicken and quinoa bowl and it has a bunch of vegetables in it and a sauce and it's so good. And then they have like roasted cauliflower. I had some of that and some Brussels sprouts and, but everybody, I was just checking with everybody because some people had tacos and some people had, you know, just all different stuff, pad thai and everybody liked their food. Great. Yep. All right. Um, it's quite the mix up of different food types. So, so there you go. Brilliant. Yeah. Thank you. Did anything else happen this week? It's honestly a blur. Um, lots of meetings, lots of teaching, lots of early nights, lots of early mornings. True. Praise God for some downtime. Oh, I'm so excited. Oh, well, I got to go and learn a new game yesterday. Good. That's about all we have time for in our catch up. (laughs) (laughs) What was your new game? It's called Dutch Blitz. It sounds like a drinking game. Nope. It wasn't a drinking game. It's a card game. Okay. But it was really good. Oh, and yes. a podcast listener sent me a game to play. So I'm going to take it to uh, vacation with us. Thanks, I think. Well, it's supposed to be really fun. They they put a note saying um, it's like similar, like Catan, I guess, strategy-wise, but less effort or less difficult to do. So uh, I've already told Abby about it. We're planning on bringing it in. Auntie Sarah and Abby and I can play. So. Yeah. Go knock yourself out. That sounds yeah. awesome. There you go. Thank you, generous, anonymous podcast listener. Thank you very much. Our main topic for this week is all about the importance of forgiveness. Forgiveness. And there's the soundtrack. What do you want to talk about Sorry. forgiveness? <laughs> what do I want to talk about it? Yeah, like, well, I mean, it's a thing we should do, but hardly anybody does. And yet it has incredible rewards and untangles us from a lot of pain and and... I think when we refuse to forgive, for example, we end up stuck reaping the judgments we made as a result of our pain. What do you mean by that? I mean, people hurt us, so we sit in response, and usually, you know, when people hurt us, we write a narrative in our head about why they hurt us, and so we make judgments. 
And until we forgive, those judgments just keep boomeranging back on our life. So we end up stuck in this horrible cycle and forgiveness is the way out. Yes, I agree. I think you said at the beginning of um, that statement, you know, it's something that we should do, but not many of us do do. And I would say, actually, if you've met someone who's really happy or their heart is pretty healed up, you've probably met someone who's really good at forgiving. Yeah, you won't get joy or wholeness without forgiveness. Correct. So talk to me about your journey of forgiveness. Well, I mean, I I honestly struggled with the message of forgiveness to begin with um, because, uh, you know, I well, I didn't get saved till I was 15. And then it was it was around that time, maybe about six months later, um, that I started hearing all these different messages on forgiveness. And honestly, my response was I got really angry. You know, it's a good response to a message. And do you know what was causing your anger? Yeah, I misunderstood forgiveness. I thought that if I forgave, then that meant the things that were done to me were okay. Like it was like, you know, just going, hey, no, it's totally fine that you abused me. No, it's totally fine that my, you know, life growing up was a nightmare kind of thing. So I was like, I'm offended that you would even ask me to forgive because then it means it was totally fine what they did to me. Is there something about, I mean, that's fascinating the way you say it. I'm just wondering, like, you're aware injustice has been done to you. And if I forgive, justice isn't carried out. Is that is that what we're thinking? Like, this is yeah. this, an unrighteous part of this. Almost like by me staying in unforgiveness, I'm kind of holding them hostage. And somehow they're eventually going to get theirs because I'm, I've got my little hands around their throat in unforgiveness kind of thing. And yet, sadly, the truth is, unforgiveness is like drinking poison and hoping they get sick. Yeah, pretty much. It, I mean, it's not, it, it. your unforgiveness doesn't hold them accountable. It only holds you in prison. Dang. Right. So what gets a really angry 15-year-old from a position of, of wanting justice and demanding justice and feeling some sort of reward by being able to hold hands around your father's neck saying, nah, you, you don't get off scot-free for what you did to me to actually move into forgiveness? Well, it's it's sort of a long story. Um, but basically, I, I ended up in a situation where I believed that uh, my dad was going to die that night and he was in hospital. And I, I offered him or I promised him one more chance when he asked for it. Did you have any intention on keeping that promise? No, because the doctor assured me that he was going to die. So your dad who's horribly abused you as a child yes is lying in hospital literally on his deathbed yes and his last wish pretty much is that you would forgive him yes and i said no uh i said I, I said no i won't give you another chance and i walked away from his bed but the doctor was standing on the other side of the curtain because he had said to me when we walked in because i was shaking he could tell i was afraid he said he would stand right there so um he was still standing there and he said Listen, your father's not going to live through the night, so why don't you just let him die thinking he has one more chance because that's what he'd asked for. So I went back in and I I literally looked at him. I held up one finger. Um, well, I should probably be specific. Uh, <laughs> my pointer finger. <laughs> and uh, I just said, you have one more chance. And I left. 
and uh, thinking you'd never have to go through with that. Yeah, but you'd have some. Oh, you thinking you were doing it for you? Were you thinking I'll get peace, and if he dies, at least I can say, yeah, I forgave him. No, I wasn't thinking anything about me. I was just like, I'll just promise him this because he's going to die anyway, and then what do I care? You know, what do I care? Right? Because uh, I had a fair amount of anger riding in with that unforgiveness and all the rest of the stuff. So, um, but he he miraculously lived. The bleeding all stopped miraculously, and um, I think the Lord knew that I would honor my word. Uh, so I was now in this process where I was going to have to work through some stuff and it was a bit of a rocky road. Um, but it, it produced the amazing fruit of actually for the first time in my life, having a relationship with my father that was actually healthy and wonderful. And not just that. I mean, yes, that's amazing. That's phenomenal. Like the, the long-term benefits of forgiveness are unbelievable. Yes. Like if you hadn't forgiven your dad, None of the healing that came to you in later life would probably have come to you. I'm pretty sure I'd be dead if I hadn't. Like, if I hadn't learned to actually forgive and start to work through my stuff, I know I wouldn't be here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I'm even if you were here, I'm trying to think of the type of person you would be. Oh, my gosh. I wouldn't want to be with me. No. I mean, I know how angry and disappointed and sort of vicious I felt on the inside. And, yeah, I, I didn't like me. I remember when I first met you, you were a teacher in my school, so I didn't know you were just one of the speakers who came in. And I remember trying to reconcile in my head the trauma of your story with the unscathedness, not just unscathedness, that's not even a word, but the the effervescent joy that you were walking around with that I'm like, this kind of trauma does not produce that kind of joy. And of course, your whole week, you were teaching on the father heart, but it, it was basically one long forgiveness talk. Mm. You know, forgiving yourself, forgiving your parents, forgiving uh, forgiving the Lord is a weird one. We'll talk about that in a second. But just undoing all of the, the, the kind of wounds that had happened in your heart, which produced this level of freedom and joy in you. You did this brilliant example, which I actually stole and used with the second years a couple of weeks ago. <gasps> I know. Shocking. About what judgment does for your destiny. Can you describe that? Yeah. Uh, I do an example where you have one person come up to the front uh, where everyone can see them and you talk through a story, you just sort of make up a story on the spot. And so um, if you, you know, you had Bob come up to the front and you'd be like, okay, this is Bob. And uh, Bob is friends with Sam. And and then you talk through this whole incident. You make something up between Bob and Sam. And Bob is now angry at Sam. And so then you have Sam hold on to Bob. Like, so there's a tie of unforgiveness. Because Bob won't forgive Sam. Because Bob won't forgive Sam. And then you have a couple of other different stories. And in all of those, Bob won't forgive those people because he's really wanting the justice that he feels like he deserves. Or he's just feeling like it's too big a thing to uh, actually forgive and by the end of it you have you know four or five people hanging on to bob and then you sort of show the thing of bob gets saved he doesn't necessarily deal with his issues but he gets saved and the lord says bob i have this great destiny for you go head in this direction and you point in a direction and but bob actually is stuck to the spot because he's now got five people hanging on to him because of his choice of unforgiveness. And so he's unable to move, or if he can move towards the Lord, he moves very, very slowly. And so the the idea is, you know, your unforgiveness actually is, is holding you in bondage and keeping you stuck. Um, it's not 
affecting the other people the way you wish it would, it's affecting you way more. There's also three spiritual laws that govern the universe. I mean, there's more than that, but the three I'm thinking of are all impartial, just like the law of gravity is completely impartial, doesn't depend on your belief or your knowledge of it. But I'm thinking about the, the law of honor and dishonor. Mm-hmm. So in you know in the Ten Commandments, honor your mother and father, and it will go well with you in the land that you're living. So in the areas where you don't honor your mother and father, things will not go well for you, usually in the area that you are not honoring them. Right. And so judging and unforgiveness is not an honoring posture. Correct. So if I judge my father for being uh, irresponsible with money, I will find that later in my life, I will be irresponsible with money. It will not go well for me in the land of my finances. If I judge my mother for having a huge temper, I will ensure that I reap that judgment. And so usually what will happen is, because I've judged a primary woman in my life for having a bad temper, I will reap another primary woman in my life with a bad temper. So usually, usually when people come to us for marriage counseling, they're like, well, there's this outstanding issue. I'm like, oh, what were your parents like? Okay, did you deal with that judgment? Because if you're holding on to unforgiveness, anyway, yes. you get the point. That's yes. number one. The second law is the, the law of sowing and reaping. Mm-hmm. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. So yeah. whatever we sow out into the world, if we sow generosity, we reap generosity. If we sow honor, we reap honor. Right. So friendship, you reap friendship. Exactly. But right. if you sow uh, gossip, you'll reap gossip. And right. If you sow bitterness, you'll reap bitterness. If, if you, you sow, sow unforgiveness you will reap discord in your life. Yeah. And then the last one is uh, do not judge for the measure that you judge it will be measured to you. So the, Judging and receiving. Yeah, judging and receiving is a big deal. So again, if I judge somebody, I am, I am condemning myself to do the very same thing that I've judged them. Yeah. The way out of all three of those things, the way that you break free of the immutable and unchangeable laws is through forgiveness. Yeah. Like, Lord, I forgive this person for doing that undoes stuff in your life like you would not believe. Yeah. And I would say I can't think of a time where I have held someone in unforgiveness where it wasn't empowered by judgment. Like, I think typically that is we don't do it on purpose, but but we have judged them or assumed that we know the motivations of another person's heart or whatever. And then we feel justified enough to be like, no, you know, it's just that I just don't think that was okay. But actually if it's got power in your heart, it's probably attached to judgment and unforgiveness. The emotional cost of staying angry and staying in judgment and holding on to unforgiveness is, is enormous. Yeah. I mean, I just think of the toll that it takes on you physiologically. Yeah. Why then, with all these benefits, spiritually, physically, and relationally, about unforgiveness, why is it sometimes it is so hard to forgive? Because we got hurt. Because we want to protect ourselves from everything, don't we? And, you know, usually the ones that are really easy to forgive were pretty minor infractions. And usually the ones that are difficult to forgive are typically family members or people that we let in to a place where they could hurt us much more Mm. badly. But it still isn't going to serve us to not forgive. No, you're right. But it's still, there's, it feels unjust to forgive. And in one sense, of course it is. A a moral blow has been delivered Mm -hmm. and it feels unrighteous to say, no, it's it's good. I, I forgive you. 
But the the problem we run into with that, babe, is that that's exactly what Jesus did for us. Oh, great. Throw that one in my face. No, I, you know, I'm not trying to be religious about it, but I'm just saying like here, here we are, here I am, here you are, here the podcast listener is, and we've been forgiven of everything. Like all the, all this stuff, all the junk, all, everything we've done and all the people that we've hurt, we, in an instant we're forgiven with, we're, we don't receive justice. We receive complete grace and mercy. Mm. And so on, on, if we think about that, you know, then how do we stand there and say, well, Jesus, I know you died on a cross so I could be free, but actually I'm going to hold this person hostage because they hurt me. It's it's never going to go well for us. Mm. That's the whole parable of the unmerciful servant in Matthew 18, isn't right. it? Right. Where this guy owes this huge debt to somebody and he's panicking about how he's going to pay it. And he goes to the person he owes the debt to and they say, look, I completely forgive you. You, you don't owe me anything. And I mean, you can just imagine yeah. the relief. But on the way out, the guy who's just been forgiven spots another guy that owes him like 20 bucks. He's like, hey, you owe me 20 bucks. And the guy's like, oh, have mercy on me, please. I can't pay it back. He's like, no way. Throws him and his family in prison. And when the first ruler hears about what this guy's done, he's like, I showed you all this mercy and you wouldn't show mercy in this area. And Jesus has this really sobering line that says, this is in the same way that this guy was thrown into prison and was tortured this is what will happen to us when we refuse to forgive. It's funny, babe, because that's actually the passage that the Lord used to unlock my heart to be able to forgive my dad was Matthew 18. Really? Yeah. And because there's a place in it where the second guy says, hey, or maybe it's the first one. He says uh, he's forgiven because he doesn't have it to give. Like he just doesn't have it to give. And I was reading that story and the Lord said to me, you know, it was really hard what you went through. And he just, you know, it wasn't okay the way you were parented by your dad, but he just didn't have it to give. And I thought, oh, and, you know, and then the more I found out about his childhood and, and what he was raised in, I realized he really didn't. He never experienced love at home. He never experienced anything close to unconditional love, certainly, or acceptance or anything. And as much as how uh, he raised me in many ways really sucked he really didn't have it to give. He was doing the best that he could with what he have had. It just wasn't good, you know. But in a moment, I was able to sort of go, oh, okay, wow. I was holding you hostage over my expectations of what it should have been like and maybe even what I'd seen in other families. Mm-hmm. But he really did do the best he could with what he, with what he had. And... That doesn't mean that what he did was okay. It doesn't it's, it's mean two truths in one. That's right. It doesn't, doesn't mean it was behavior. okay. Nope. But it did mean I could move towards releasing him from all of the hostility that was quite literally eating my heart. Like it was it was having my lunch, you know. And uh that's what started the process for me of actually getting to, you know, be free. I think one of the the scariest stories I've heard you tell regarding forgiveness is what happened regarding your first husband leaving you. Yes. And and his sister. Right, right, right. Do you want to tell that story? Sure. Um so when I was 23 I got married and then when I was 24 my first husband uh left me for a friend. Uh and so that was brutal obviously we were uh we were both worship leading and you and your first husband yeah yep. and so you know everybody pretty much knew who we were 
Um, I'd been at the church, obviously, for years. And, you know, this is also in the midst of revival. In the midst of revival. Right. So, revival doesn't guarantee a sin free life, people. No, it doesn't. You still have to deal with your stuff. But anyway, um, so that, that was obviously really brutal. And uh, we had planned uh, to go to England to be, spend time with his family and with his, you know, parents and all that kind of stuff the following summer. And, you know, I was, I believed and prayed for that marriage for three years for it to be restored, regardless of all the things that were happening um, and all the things that I knew were happening and how far we were getting away from restoration daily. Uh, I was just still praying. And his parents had said, hey, why don't you still come for vacation? You know, um, without him, just without him, just come. me. And they're like, you know, you're still our daughter-in-law. We would love you to come and, you know, be here. And this was a year after he had left. And I was like, gosh, okay. You know, cause I mean, they were amazing and I really loved them. And I was like, okay, I'll, I'll do that. And so I went and while I was there, um, I w we were, uh, walking around Cornwall and, and his sister, we were talking and everything. And she was, she started talking and she was furious. I mean, furious at him. And she's like, how could he ever do this? Like we were raised better than that. And how could he, I, you know, I can't believe he's done this to you. And, you know, she was just, she was so angry. And I was like, oh, babe, like, here's the thing. Because of a bunch of the statements that she made, I was like, please don't, please don't do this. Like, please don't get mad on my behalf and please don't judge him. You'll reap that. Like, don't do this. I remember having this really intense conversation trying to talk her out of being mad at him for leaving me. It was, and it was just pretty wild actually. Um, but she was like, no, I just, you know, I would never do that. And, and I was just like, okay, well, you know, so end of conversation, that's fine. Within a year, she left her own husband. They also were worship leaders that she left her own husband. He with two kids, she literally walked out of the house, left her husband and two kids and had an affair with someone else within a year. I'm somebody might say that's coincidence. I think that that's judging and receiving. I think she opened a door because she wanted to stay in judgment and, and she, she ended up opening a door over her life that just reaped destruction um, you know, where's the verse about you who judge do the same things? I think it's Romans 2. Okay. Do you, can you grab it? Uh, Romans 2, verse 1. You therefore have no excuse, you who pass judgment on someone else. For at whatever point you judge another, you are condemning yourself because you who pass judgment do the same things. So it means actually you do something. I judge you for doing it. I'm appalled at you for doing it. But now because I've judged you, I'm going to do the same thing. I'm opening a door. I'm condemning myself to yeah. do the same thing. Yeah. I found it is easier for me to forgive when I'm hurt, but it's sneakier for me to identify the need for forgiveness when I pick up an offense. Yeah. So, like, if somebody hurts me, I can forgive them fairly easily. Depends on who it is and what the hurt was. But, you know, I'm always going to want to forgive because it's, right. a, it's a life value. Right. But somebody hurts you or somebody hurts people close to me, I don't even I'm not even aware that I've picked up an offense on their behalf. Like, yeah. I've entered into judgment. Like, oh, my gosh, how could that person be so mean to hurt that person I've loved? 
And I am unaware, oh, hold on there, Alan. You actually need to forgive that person and just undo them. Even though they haven't hurt me per se, yeah. I've stepped in a judgment and I need to break that judgment. Yeah, I actually find that way harder than forgiving someone who's hurt me. I mean, I I would say uh, I'll, I'll extend grace much more quickly for hurting me than for someone else. It's rough. Mm. Yeah. I think it's also interesting that in the Lord's Prayer, the only time in Scripture we find Jesus teaching his disciples what to pray, he talks about forgiving others as we've been forgiven. Mm. And then gives an addendum just to make sure that we understand that uh, if we forgive others, our Father in Heaven will forgive us. But if we choose not to forgive others, our Heavenly Father will not forgive us. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, there's a lot of great reasons to be practicing forgiveness. Yeah. And And again, I mean, we're not saying it's easy. You know, it it isn't easy. And and it might be that you forgive the same person for the same thing a hundred times. I mean, I'm sure I've forgiven my dad thousands of times at this point, and I still have moments where I guess it's what your counselor would call grief, you know, that you have moments where, I mean, he's been gone for, gosh, 27 years at this point. Well, talk about your, the day after your birthday this week. When I was just feeling sad. Well, yeah, you get into bed and I'm like, <laughs> hey, babe, how are you? Yeah. And you're like, I'm feeling sad. I'm like, oh, babe, I'm sorry you're feeling sad. Yeah. Well, what, and what do you feel sad about? And you're like, <laughs> I don't know. And I'm like, maybe it was your birthday yesterday and you're sad because your dad wasn't there to celebrate. Thanks. Now you're going to make me cry on the podcast. <laughs> but it is. It's every it's every special occasion that he's missing. And it's um, every milestone that he misses with the kids that I can either let it lodge in my heart as anger or disappointment. Or I can sit there and say, Dad, I forgive you again. For missing something that would have mattered to you that I would have loved to have you at. Mm. But I'd much rather do that in the moment. Right. Than start to become the bitter and angry person that I was before I learned about forgiveness. Mm-hmm. So it's hard and it's work and it's daily. Um, but it's so necessary to even be able to love and enjoy life. And it's also important we understand that we're not ignoring our hearts. Like when we're hurt, it's not our go-to move to pull out a prayer of forgiveness so we don't feel hurt. It's okay to feel the feelings and go, I'm hurt and I can forgive. Not I can forgive so I don't feel hurt. Right. And sometimes forgiveness honestly starts as a purely cognitive thing. Like, I know I need to forgive, so I'm going to choose to forgive even though I don't feel like I'm forgiving. I would say that's exactly what it was like for me, maybe even for the first couple of years. Just right. a brute will force kind of choice. And then something switches. Yeah. And it like, gets to your heart. Yeah. I know this is ridiculous for me to even ask this question. But how does one forgive? I honestly think it's just a really simple prayer of just saying, Father, here's this person or here's this situation. And I feel really hurt or I feel really angry, you know, acknowledge how you feel in the midst of it. But even though I feel hurt and angry, I'm now choosing to forgive this person. And, and I say, say it out loud and name it, like name what happened, name the person, you know, I mean, not to other people, but to the father and then just be like, Lord, would you help me? I'm, I'm choosing to forgive. Would you help my heart forgive? I feel like it's necessary to ask you about some post-forgiveness protocol. Okay. Because there's a good way and a disastrous way to walk out your your post-forgiveness life. 
Like if I were to forgive you for something and then come into your office and be like, I just want you to know, I just prayed to the father and forgave you for being a jerk. Is that what you mean? <laughs> tell, tell the story about the woman who accosted you at a conference once. Oh my goodness. Yes. So the the speaker had said, hey, if you're holding unforgiveness with anyone in the room, go ahead and deal with that. We're going to be a few minutes to have conversations and then we're going to go into ministry or whatever. And this woman came up to me and she was like, she just sat down right next to me. I was emceeing. So I was like sitting on the front row and I'd never seen her before in my life. Uh, so she sat down next to me and I was like, oh, hi. And I'm not thinking she could possibly be talking about forgiveness with me because I've never seen her, you know, and she's like, I just want you to know that I forgive you for walking by me at every meeting and during this conference and never hugging me, even though you've hugged other people. And I just want you to know I forgive you. And I was like, "Okay, thank you. And then she just got up and left. And I was like. Who was that person, you know? So that would be an example <laughs> of something you don't do. Yeah. That actually doesn't have anything to do with the person who didn't see you. That's your own stuff. Uh, right. <laughs> so yeah, your 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 forgiveness is between you and the Lord. Yeah. Oh, here's a good question. Yeah. Does somebody need to come and ask you for their forgiveness in order for you to forgive them? No. Does someone need to apologize before you can issue a forgiveness? No. I mean, that'd be nice. Sometimes that's going to happen, but but probably most often not. It's It can't be about them apologizing before you forgive Cannot. or you are going to end up a bitter, dried up individual. And because sometimes the person who's hurt you is completely unaware that they have hurt you. Oblivious. How many times have you been oblivious that you hurt someone else? And then you're like, what? Wait, what? And how right. long have you been upset about that? I had no idea. You know, so I'm not walking around thinking, I'm just not going to apologize or ask you to forgive. I don't know that it happened. Right. Yeah. Wouldn't you say that forgiveness is vital for remaining married? Oh, absolutely. It's 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 vital for remaining married within the first week, probably. <laughs> it's funny, though, isn't it? Because... When we're left to our own devices, we write narratives that justify our pain. Yeah. So, you know, you did the, you know, it's back to the whole, we're our dumbest when we think we know the motives of another person's heart. Yeah. But before we can even agree with that thought, we've written a amazing soap opera about the other person yeah. and why they're vicious. That's and they're right. The queen of darkness and they don't love me. They're just like <laughs> stab me in the heart. And The queen of darkness. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> I've got a particularly vivid imagination. You really yeah. do, darling. Yeah. I think forgiveness is pivotal to every single relationship that you have in your life. Every single one. We mentioned earlier forgiving God. That's a weird concept. Yes. How can you forgive God who is sinless? Yeah. I mean, so when I'm talking about or when I think about forgiving God, see, as a kid, we don't have a perception that, you know, God is sinless and he didn't whatever. Like we just sort of, I mean, for myself, I attributed hurt to God. Like I was like, Hey, if you're real and you love me, then why does my life look like this? Why have you let you know right. my dad right. throw me downstairs? Right. Why have you let up? abuse happen to me? Why, if you're this great, big, wonderful God, where are you? Um, and so for me, actually, because I realized my heart is holding him hostage, I needed to actually work through forgiveness for me, not for him. But I actually prayed and said, you know, father, I, um, will you forgive me or I forgive you for every place my heart has held you hostage for every place, for every th- 
trauma or every, you know, hurt that I have laid at your feet? And would you forgive me for every way I have held you hostage Mm. and just sort of work that through? Uh, And that was a big shift for me, too. It's also like realizing I have judged God. I've held him hostage to my expectations. Yeah. And usually for things that the enemy has done, really, if Mm. you want to you know, attribute it correctly. But it's interesting that narrative still exists. Like even this week I was speaking to a leader and his his belief is that God is the author of our pain. And I'm like, no, he's not the author of our pain. I categorically disagree with you, sir. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think I said those words. Yeah. You know, John 10, 10, it's the thief who comes to steal, kill and destroy. Right. But Jesus comes to give us life and life abundant. Right. If you think about the things that happened to you in your childhood, yeah. And said that was God's will and he was writing that into your narrative so that you'd be an amazing speaker to help set people free. That's, this is a horrible, horrible God. Well, horrible charges to lay against <laughs> right, God. Right. I mean, you would remove children from a human father who behaved that way. Right. And yet the truth is bad stuff does happen, but God is in the business of redemption. Yes. I love what Joseph says at the end of his um, at, towards the end of his story when his brothers realize he's still alive, even though they beat him up, left him for dead, sold him into slavery. Right. He was then wrongly accused of rape, sent to prison. Yeah. You know. A horrible story. A horrible story. Right. And yet he's not saying, yeah, God is the author of my story. He said to them, what you meant for bad, God has redeemed for good. Yeah. And that is the great story of our lives, that God is writing goodness into our lives, n- not agony. Yeah. That's actually my favorite line of that entire story, that whole, what you meant for evil, God meant for good. I love it. I would encourage you, dear listener, to take some time this week and maybe do a forgiveness audit. Just ask the Lord, just find some quiet time this week and just ask the Lord, Lord, are there people in my life that I need to forgive? Yeah. And then write out a list of the people and what you need to forgive them for and just just go down the list of like, Lord, I forgive AJ for bringing home a really creepy helium-filled balloon. <gasps> And I repent for stabbing it so that it would no longer haunt me in my sleeping hours. <laughs> would you forgive me and would you forgive her? Amen. That's very funny. I do have one other suggestion well, 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 for on. you, though. Well, let's lead you through that prayer right now. Well, no, hang on a second. Because I forgive Alan. <laughs> I forgive Alan. For stabbing my balloon. For being a big jerk and stabbing my present. And I repent of the judgment. And I repent of the judgment of calling him a jerk. (laughs) Okay. I was trying to take us into a serious ministry time and I got hijacked. What were you going to say? I was going to say, when you're doing your audit of who needs to be forgiven, I want you to consider and pray about and think about, do you need to forgive yourself as well? Because we didn't talk about that. No. And really, there's usually three categories. There's those people that have hurt you, you know, or hurt someone that you love. So those outside people, God, as we already talked about. And then usually there's a fair amount of us that actually need to forgive ourselves for things we're still holding ourselves hostage for, you know. Right. And and usually a good way of identifying um, areas where we might need to extend ourselves forgiveness is when you hear I should statements. I should, I should have known better. I should have, I should, you know, because usually those, that should usually is marked by some level of judgment of, of a place where we feel we have failed and we're holding ourselves hostage for something. I have a listener's question from Emma. Okay. And she asks this. I love your teaching on what God says about our identity 
Knowing my identity and my father God has transformed the way I think and relate to God. And I felt God say that he wants me to share this knowledge with others. I wonder if you have any tips on how to share messages such as the Father Har or on godly beliefs, hearing God's voice, with a group in my university's Christian club. Also, are there any things to be aware of when teaching them and leading a response time with them? I know with the Holy Spirit it might get a little bit messy. I would appreciate any responses if you have time to answer the question. Wow, Emma, great questions. Um, I would say particularly probably in a university uh, kind of club or university union, uh, go testimony heavy, i.e. if you can focus on what was my life like before, then what did God do or what did he show me or what did you see out of scripture that changed your heart in the situation? What did you pray? And then what does my life look like now? Like what is the fruit of having efforted this and having worked it through. And, you know, so basically you're handing them hope and you're handing them, you know, um, a a light at the end of the tunnel, essentially. Mm -hmm. But if you can go testimony heavy um, and make sure, obviously, that there's scripture in there, whatever God uh, impacted you with in there, um, testimony is what tends to move people's hearts enough to think, well, if God will do it for you, he'll do it for me. Yeah, story is king for these yeah. things. Yeah. What, what about the response time? There's not much you can do to guarantee it won't be messy. It'll probably be messy. If you're talking about heart stuff and people have heart wounds, and most people do, uh, well, let's just say all, um, it is probably going to get messy. But you don't have to worry about messy because actually God's fine with messy and he knows how to take care of that. So I would just say, um, if you can do repeat after me type prayers and you might want to write it out ahead of time so that in the moment, if people are crying, it doesn't throw you and you forget what to pray. Cause when I first started doing it, that was the hardest part for me is I would look around the room and I would see people falling apart and the emotion of it would make it really difficult for me to, you know, figure out what to pray next kind of thing. So it might be helpful if you write out like a prayer of forgiveness that you're going to lead them through. Uh, and and then if, you know, if you want to add to it, you can, but you have something that you're going to sort of jump off of. And then just trust God, invite the Holy Spirit into the room to minister to the people before you start to pray. Thanks, Emma. Great question. And thank you, everybody, for listening. If you like this episode, please leave us a review by going to alanandaj.com slash review. If you've got a question you'd like us to answer, go to alanandaj.com slash ask. And if you'd like to support the show, head on over to alanandaj.com slash support to learn how to become one of the patrons of the show. And follow us on all the social medias at alanandaj. And if you're an American, happy Thanksgiving this week. We hope you have an incredibly peaceful, joyful, and thankful week. Faith, life, communication, tacos and video games. Paleo donuts and the kindness of God are things we deal with every day. From Franklin, Tennessee. They are just like you and me. Alan and AJ. Keeping up with the Joneses. Keeping up with the Joneses. Sharing their life experiences. Keeping up with the Joneses. Keeping up with the Joneses. They talk about.
sun If you are a human being There's something here for everyone 